Welcome to the New Mexico Motorsports Report, presented by Yearwood Performance, Albuquerque Dragway, the Unser Racing Museum, and Swope Real Estate. Your host, David Swope, will be talking about events happening around the state and on the national scene, whether it's got two wheels or four wheels, pavement and off-road racing, or park and shine. If you are into it, we are into it. Call now, 994-1017. That's 994-1017 to get into all the action. Now, here is your host, David Swope. Good morning. It's Saturday morning. That means it's time for the New Mexico Motorsports Report. I'm your host, David Swope, and we'll be talking about automotive and related motorsports activities around the state and on the national scene. Whether it has two wheels or four, asphalt or dirt track racing, off-road or park and shine, we'll be talking about it. This is New Mexico's only show devoted to motorsports-related activities for the full hour here on ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. And we hope you're uh, enjoying your... um, uh, New Year's Eve, Saturday here, a bunch of football games uh, coming up. Seems only appropriate that we be joined uh, by RJ Lees. How you doing, man? Hey, Dave. Always a pleasure, man. Keeping busy, looking around this beautiful time of year. And I'm uh, I'm I'm excited. No, no way around it. It's right around the corner. 2023 is going to be so amazing to see come over. Absolutely. So, Hey man, uh, how was Christmas in West Virginia? It was it was a it was a trip, that's for sure. <laughs> I honestly I really did think I was going to get stuck in Chicago cuz that was my oh, my flight in. So I was like, "Hey, Christmas in Chicago didn't sound too bad, but got lucky enough where the travels a few delays, but travels were safe. I got to hang out with family. It was my uh dad recently moved there. It was his first uh Christmas in West Virginia. So it's like, you know what? I want to be a part of it. It was a quick trip, but no, well worth it, and I'm glad to be back. Though, like I said, it's a it's a different world out there, but New Mexico's home for me right now. Now, now is West Virginia? Did they, did they have snow? I oh. mean, was it? Oh, it was, it was sn- a white Christmas. It was a beautiful white Christmas. <laughs> uh, this Christmas Eve was at negative two degrees. So I uh, let's just say I'm I was looking up Albuquerque. I'm like, ooh, forty seven. Like it, it just looked different. But uh, <laughs> it, it warmed up, of course, the second I left. But you know what? It was a great white Christmas, but. Uh, uh, nothing like the New Mexico. I didn't get my red chili fix or anything, so I oh, came right back home. Oh man, well, uh, well, glad to have you back. We had a little fun last week um, that you missed out. I mean, we actually had to talk a little bit of baseball, a little bit, and a little college football because you weren't here. Uh, but the the concept was: what were some of the teams looking for um, under the Christmas tree? Um, you know, for uh, to finish out a season or get started for 2023. I thought I would extend that question to you, even though, uh, you know, it's New Year's Eve. Maybe, hey, what are they looking for next year? Uh, Raiders have been eliminated, you know, or almost eliminated. Um, and so uh, uh, what what might the Raiders be looking for in 2023? Um, tell you the truth, being, being a Raider, I, I kind of had a bleak look with the new uh, – GM and head coach, I, I think they're going to almost start from scratch. Whenever, you know, a coach has a less expectation, especially in their first year, they kind of look for a scapegoat. And unfortunately, it might be the quarterback. It might be some of the play. I mean, they since last like three drafts, I think they only have like two players left from three drafts. That's how much turnover this roster's had. And they're young players on rookie contracts. So it's unfortunate, but I think they're just going to try to keep the mindset. You're always going to be a fan, but I think there's going to be some major changes, unfortunately, with the Raiders. So, yeah. Well, on the flip side, um, the Bills. Now, did they pray for all of this snow? I mean, you know, because it's like, you know, come on, come try and play in our house. It's coming no matter what, if they pray or not in <laughs> Buffalo. Now, they're shoveling, it looks like 10 feet of snow over their cars. They're actually 
finding their cars, not but, struggling. They had to right. struggle to find their cars, but it's, it's a little different up there. I think they're, they're a team. Everyone thinks it's like, man, with Josh Allen throwing, they, they're actually more excited in a dome. They, they love that atmosphere in Buffalo. It's one of a kind and it's, it's a small city, but so many people come out and celebrate and that weather kind of makes you feel at home over there. So it's, it's something they're, they're praying for that, but I mean, they're praying for a home field advantage where right now, if they get a few, there's still only two weeks left, but they're not locked for sure. But it can easily happen where they have home field advantage to try to make it to their first Super Bowl since 96. Well, that might be quite an advantage, you know, with with all that snow. But uh, talking about sports locally, um, next Saturday, uh, they're getting started, the New Mexico Runners um, Indoor Professional Soccer League. Um, team is going to get started uh, out here at the Rio Rancho Event Center. Very excited um, already with a a road win under their belt. Um, very excited to see what they're going on. But let's jump on the uh, Law Tigers event calendar. I know there's not necessarily a lot. You got uh, Albuquerque Dragway, Sandia Speedway, Vado, uh, Alien um, down in Roswell, as well as the Aztec Moriarty, they're all kind of you know shut down um, for the the winter right now. So as soon as we get back, uh, but a big show coming on uh, out at the Rio Rancho Event Center um, is the toughest uh, monster truck show. Uh, that's going to be pretty cool. But I know you jotted down uh, a couple that are going to be for the upcoming weekend, um, also of the 7th. What, what do you got on the list there? Yeah, so uh, not much going this year. I'm hopefully that people that got their Christmas gifts, I think this is the week, hey, you might have got a new part to put on your car. You exactly. might have got something on two wheels for the kiddo. Hey, may, hopefully there's some racing that's not at one of our track, but, you know, some racing that people are getting situated in. But I'm looking forward to 2023. So January 7th, that's actually the first Saturday. I mean, it's just that's mm-hmm. a year where it's going on late. There's two cool events that we have. It's a Mopar Cars and Coffee Club that's going to meet at 9 a.m. This is actually going to be at the El Patron North, which is going to be on Wyoming and Paseo. But pretty much they're just saying, you know what? This is the first morning of the year. We're going to have great food, great people, great cars for people to talk about. There's going to be plenty of room if they're going to use pretty much that whole side of the parking lot. I mean, there's going to be plenty of room for a lot of amazing cars. Of course, Mopar's being the specialty. So if you want to go out there, that's going to be 9 a.m. January 7th. So that's that's only next Saturday. Mm-hmm. So get yourself ready for that. Now, um, for those that want to get out and roll around, they want to get out and cruise, uh, New Mexico Motor Event has got an event going on that same day. And I love that. Cru- cruises, I mean, of course they were a thing before, but I mean, since after the pandemic, that was the time. It's still the safe social distancing. Social distancing. You can still see some amazing cars. And this is like a big kind of like a conjoining of it's Cafe Bella, it's Russ's Gold, it's a Sunday service motor company, and uh, El Bruno's Restaurante Cantina. They're all kind of throwing together for this big meet. It's going to be at 10 a.m. and they're going to roll out at 11, where pretty much all of them are going to meet at one place. They're going to kind of travel around, have a good time. But I mean, it seems fun where this cruise, I mean, of course they're going to hit these spots, but you don't know where else they're going to go. They might go all night. Who knows about them? If they're starting at 11 a.m., they're going to be revved up on coffee. So, you know, it's going to be a fun time. But just a cool event going on, and there's going to be plenty of more you can see in 2023. Well, looking forward to it. Um, and definitely appreciate the the Law Tigers stepping up in uh, 2022 um, to be the event calendar sponsor. So we'll see what's going to happen uh, next weekend. Uh, maybe we'll have some... New sponsors involved in the show. We sure hope so. Uh, also had a uh, a great winner last week um, with the uh, Couch Potato Car Show. 
Um, couldn't believe that there was some uh, some like tinkering going on with the balloting, but uh, got it done with uh, EJ and Christine Altro um, with their 2016 um, Hellcat. Um, even even got some other uh, cars that are already uh, registered for a show in January. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, definitely looking looking forward to it, and and welcome back. So I'm, I'm actually surprised that you didn't take some red chili with you. See, you know, I, I didn't I didn't do I showed up. I packed super light. I I packed the smallest suitcase I ever actually ever taken on a flight with me. Yeah. So it just carried on. Just went quick. It was it was more like a business transaction. I yeah. got in and out right away. It's had a good time, but you know what? That's one thing. I just got to do. I mean, you know, something like chili, chili tradition. I got to do the pack and send it ahead of time, so it's there ready for me when I'm there. Well, that's fantastic. All right. So the final week, uh, the final week of the season. Raiders, Chiefs, uh, Chiefs come to Las Vegas. Um, what what do you think of that game? I mean, do you do you think that the the, the Raiders because the Raiders hate the Chiefs? I I'm mean, sure so do. so do you think they're gonna they're gonna get up for that game or where do you think where do you think we're at? I think it is. I mean, of course, some semantics after the, but I think it's a respectful rivalry during the game. I think yep. there's a lot of good matchups and the Raiders play to keep Chiefs no matter what. I mean. This is, I believe, what, the eighth, the seventh division, I believe, for that Chiefs won in a row. So this is the AFC West, the Chiefs division. Okay. But, man, the Raiders play them close. It's going to be a fun game. But Raiders, I mean, they want to finish the season strong. But Chiefs, I mean, who knows what happens this week. But this that might be, if they win out, I mean, they could easily have that one seed and get the bye. So they're, gonna, they're not going to roll over. I don't think they're going to do any benching unless, you know, some crazy stuff happens and they just know they have the, the vision already locked. But... Hopefully it's going to be a good game. We're going to see on both sides, but I mean, I just I wish I knew a little bit. I'm I wouldn't mind driving up to Vegas and kind of going up there, but maybe another time. Yeah, that that would be great. I I just remember last year getting smoked in the first quarter. I mean, already you know we took a couple good punches, never could quite recover from that. Uh, but anyway, hey, welcome back. Um, happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all your listeners. And stay tuned. We got a whole lot more coming up on the New Mexico Motorsports Report here on ESPN Radio. 1017, the team. Logano is a two-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. Hey, Albuquerque, this is Joey Logano, driver of number 22, Shell Penzo Ford, and you're listening to the New Mexico Motorsports Report with David Swope on ESPN Radio Albuquerque 1017, the team. ESPN Radio 1017, the team, with David Swope. The fastest radio host in the West. The pit stop is over. Let's return to the New Mexico Motorsports Report on Facebook and at nmmotorsportsreport.com. Now, back to the New Mexico Motorsports Report, presented by Yearwood Performance, Albuquerque Dragway, the Unser Racing Museum, and Swope Real Estate. Here is David. Welcome back to the New Mexico Motorsports Report here on ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team. And uh, it's never too early to mark your calendars for a big event coming up. Uh, this is the 60th anniversary for the Albuquerque Dragway. That's absolutely impossible to understand. Uh, been around longer than me, uh, but a big event coming up uh, July 28th and 29th is the Funny Car Chaos is coming to town. And joining us now is uh, Chris Graves. How are you doing this morning, man? Doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, so I, I don't know exactly what title to give you. I almost want to say, you know, like, the puppet master or something, because you do a lot of stuff to bring this event together. 
Uh, talk a little bit about what's going on in 2023 with uh, Funny Car Chaos. Yep, we're gonna. This is our seventh season. Um, we have grown uh, in ways that no one really thought was going to happen, and and that's a great thing because it's created a lot of really good drag racing for a lot of uh, people that might not have had a chance to call themselves a nationally touring funny car racer. So you know, our whole goal is to keep it grassroots, bring really cool shows that into tracks like Albuquerque that don't get NHRA national events, but you know, bring in nitro funny cars in a competition format over a two day, two day period there. Uh, we expect well over 20 funny cars at this race. I think we might see 30. Um, you know, I've actually never been to Albuquerque dragway, which is rare. I've been to most tracks in the Southwest, but I'm looking forward to visiting Albuquerque. I know the local racers that participate in chaos with me, uh, regularly or Lyle Greenberg and race stringer and some of those folks, mm-hmm. um, race there frequently. So looking forward to getting to uh, New Mexico for sure. And we're going to bring a full field of funny cars. I can promise you that. Well, we we are definitely looking forward to it. As a matter of fact, the um, Champions Edition of the New Mexico Motorsports Report magazine um, has Lyle on the cover. Um, what an incredible season. As a matter of fact, I, I interviewed him a couple months back, and I said, uh, I, I thought you were retiring. Uh, and now all of a sudden you're out there um, setting track records, uh, winning events. And uh, what's it, what's it like to work with these guys that the passion seems to have come back? Some of them they kind of walk away, gone away from racing and had come back um, because of the nostalgia angle of the Nitro Funny Cars. Yeah, for sure. And Lyle's a great example. Um, you know, he won my 10 grand race uh, back in March at, at the Motorplex. So he's he's my richest uh, Funny Car Chaos racer, at least last year on paper. But, um, yeah. you know, it the we really needed a Funny Car Chaos to come into the Midwest market. Um, at one, at, in 2017, it was a one race deal. I was, I was looking to do this one time. Okay. And with the support we saw and the excitement, it, it provided the racers and the fans, the demand was there. And so, you know, you can progress, we progressed into four races in 2018 and then eight races in 2019. And here we are maintaining that kind of a number there for eight or nine races a year. But there was nowhere to race your funny car in, in Texas or Oklahoma or Kansas or Missouri or New Mexico or Louisiana. And now there is, um, you know, so I went from having a 20 year career in drag racing photography. Um, and prior to that was a crew member on race teams and, and, uh, was on the, on the side kind of assistant managing a track here in Dallas, but all that stuff went away and we decided and made the decision to set that all aside, put that on the back burner. Let's make this funny car chaos thing work. Let's dedicate full time. And so me and my, me and my wife Tara have been, have been doing that since basically 2018 uh, for sure. Started 2019, but the support we've seen from the racers is what's making it go. And so now we've got these guys that these guys and gals that have these cars that they've bought and built the way they wanted to build them. And, they can afford to come to the racetrack. They can put, they're the, they're the John Forrest of that weekend. We're putting them in the front row parking. We're going to, you know, they're, they are the stars and, and all these cars have names and all these cars have hero cars for the kids. And you, you don't, you get to meet the drivers and you get to stand right behind the pit area and you get to, it's, it's like the way the big show was 20 years ago, you know? Yeah. But you know, it's created a great market for the racers like Lyle. These are guys that are, that, you know, funny car chaos racers are working men and, and women. They, these are not millionaires that do this for a hobby. These are people that work every day and this is what they do for fun. 
you know, and so that's, it's a, it's a great thing that it's created an opportunity for so many people to say, I'm a funny car racer, you know? Yeah. Talk, talk about a, a couple of the, uh, the tracks that you're going to this year. I mean, um, you know, how, how far are, are the tracks apart? Um, I, I mean, are we talking smaller communities, bigger communities? Tell us a little bit about the profile of some of the tracks you're going to this year. Sure. Every track we're going to is on, on a facility that does not have a national event except for the Texas Motorplex. Mm. Um, it's hard to park 70 funny cars anywhere besides the Texas Motorplex. But right. uh, that's, of course, our biggest race, and that's our race in March, the Funny Car Cast Classic. Uh, after that, we go down to Baton Rouge. We go to Odessa, Texas. We go to Eddyville, Iowa. We go to Kearney, Nebraska, Joplin, Missouri, Cordova, Illinois, Albuquerque, um, these are, these are grassroots tracks that are, that are, you know, operating on a weekend basis every weekend. But when funny car chaos comes to town, it's like the U S nationals. It's, it's the biggest race of the year for almost all these tracks. And, and that's very exciting for me because that's, you know, we're, we're, we, the, the point of our deal is we're there to have fun, but we're there to put on a show. This is not a drag race. This is entertainment. And, you know, drag strips are not drag strips. Drag strips are entertainment facilities. And you got to look at it that way and deliver your package as uh, you'd want it to be delivered to you if you were sitting in the bleachers, you know. So, you know, I'm a fan. I'm a racer. I'm a promoter. I do all of those things. So I've got all the angles covered. But the markets we go to are very cool. And it some of these racetracks, you know, are very special. There's the crowds are are unique everywhere you go. Um, and then this year we actually added a new venue on the East Coast, which is Maryland International Raceway, mm. way on the East Coast. And so we're excited about Funny Car Chaos expanding out east. And I've seen a lot of support from a whole different group of racers who don't have the financial means or time to be able to travel from New Hampshire and Maryland and North Carolina and all these places they're coming from to, to Texas and Louisiana and, and Oklahoma. So uh, looking forward to go east next year, too. Yeah, and of course, uh, being a, a former promoter myself, uh, or track promoter, uh, I guess I'm promoting other things, if you will. Um, but uh, you, you can't do it without sponsors. I mean, talk about the the sponsors involved and kind of the loyalty that they they have to this event. Sure. Yeah. Um, Spell paving, Wolf Pumps, and Fat Tires Apparel are our top three sponsors. Um, you know, these are the folks that are putting up the money that guarantee our $35,000 per event payout. Wow. Uh, these are the people that guarantee the top, the year end points fund money for our top five. Uh, I aim to expand that to top 10 in 2023 and add to that. Um, you know, so yeah, I spend a lot of time <laughs> trying to find money to pay these racers, um, you know, and on, on the side of organizing the events, executing the events, promoting the events. So it's, it's a lot. But um, the sponsorship dollars definitely assist in making this go down the road um, and, and paying great money. I mean, $35,000 guaranteed payout for a funny car race isn't happening anywhere else in the world. So, you know, that, that's a it's a it's a and it's because of them. I'm not I'm not in my own pocketbook here. I'm in I'm in the sponsorship pocketbook and and that money's there from them. And, and people like Lyle can come win 10 grand. man. <laughs> well, the cool thing about that is. Uh, those aren't big names. I mean, you're not sitting here talking about, you know, Summit or you're talking about Napa or you're talking about, you know, AutoZone or anything like this sounds like, I mean, real passionate local business owners. I mean, that 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 is really something cool. 
Yeah, just like the racers, these are grassroots companies. I mean, uh, Ed Wolf and Wolf Pumps is in Missouri. He's a you know one man shop, but he builds fuel pumps and oil pumps and does all kinds of work and stuff. And if Spell Paving's out of Dallas, and they'll do a five hundred mile radius out of Dallas for any commercial or industrial job. But yeah, these these are not. You know, I'm not going to turn down Summit or Jigs right. or something. <laughs> Take the next step. That's really what we need. But right. for now. In year seven, doing what we're doing, pretty happy with where we're at, and it comes from a lot of support from people like that. Well, and I think you're you're showing the proof of the model, proof. And at some point, um, some of those uh, companies with deeper pockets, I think, will come um, because they'll see the success of it. And not only that, they don't want to be left behind. I mean, you, you get a lot of people that come out to these events. Talk a little bit about the format um, of how the Funny Car Chaos works. Yeah, a lot of people didn't understand it when we first started because there's no rules. We we do not limit um, anything that's under the body. As long as the car's got a body on it and it passes safety tech, we're good to go. So you can have, I've got a nitrous-assisted car. we got twin-turbo cars. There's Hemis. There's roots blowers and screw blowers and nitro cars and alcohol cars. I mean, I've had pretty much everything but a diesel. But, you know, <laughs> one of those days it's going to happen. Um and and so it, that gives the 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 guy that owns this race car, a guy or girl that owns this race car, the ability to build it how they want. And that's what I really like because yeah. people are building these cars in their garages. They don't have race car shops. They don't have five people on their crew. It's a guy and his kid or a guy and his neighbor, and they're they're putting it all together. And it takes years sometimes, but they, they do it the way they want, and they paint their car the way they want, and they pick the body style that they want, not how a rule book says to. But the format works out because – we have A, B, and C fields of eight cars. And so we qualify over three sessions, two runs on Friday night. We call that our Friday night under the lights show. Um, that's when you see the flames and the, you know, night, nighttime funny car racing that don't get much better than that. But um, the way they, the way it shuffles out in the qualifying, you're getting three groups of eight cars with like performance. There, there might not be a 10th of a second separating those eight cars. So, yeah, you might have a Nitro Nostalgia car lining up to a 2022 Top Alcohol Funny Car, but they're both going to run a 375, and mm-hmm. it's going to be side-by-side. And, you know, so the, the the entertainment value, that's what guarantees the entertainment value come eliminations. You're running the eight cars that are closest to each other in each group. So, and those are all earn, earning points the same. So the C-field guy earns the same amount of points as the A-field car, and so that's why everybody's got a shot at being the champion, everybody's got a shot at, at, at winning a race. You, I mean, it's the people that win the funny car chaos races show up never expecting to win, but the way the format works, you don't have, no one has an advantage over anybody else. That's pretty, that's pretty neat. Um, tell us uh, how, how listeners can get more information. What's the best way to uh, find out where the races are going to be and how to buy tickets. Sure. Yeah. So funnycarchaos.com is your first source there. We have a tab there that has all the information on all the events. Now, right now, not all of that is up because I'm actually currently putting those things together. <laughs> but um, funnycarchaos.com is where you can find probably more than you need to know. Um, our Facebook page is a- updated daily. So that's another great resource. And all these video, all these races are online uh, are streaming, live streaming on flowracing.com, which is a very large motorsports streaming platform um primarily focused in dirt racing but dipping into drag racing and we've got a contract with them for all of our events um so i think for a little over a hundred dollars a year you get to watch every funny car race that we have live on your computer so that's really cool for the diehard fans 
Um, and then there's a lot of really good stuff on our YouTube channel. Right. Awesome. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for jumping on this morning and uh, look forward to seeing you uh, in July, uh, July 28th, 29th. Thank you so much, well, man. Yep. We'll bring the circus to town. Awesome. we got a whole lot more coming up, so stay tuned. You've been listening to the New Mexico Motorsports Report here on ESPN Radio, 101.7 The Team. Hi, this is Al Unser Jr. You're listening to ESPN Radio, 101.7 The Team. Hey, Albuquerque. This is Brian Erlacher. You're listening to the New Mexico Motorsports Report with David Swope on ESPN Radio, 101.7 The Team. The pit stop is over. Let's return to the New Mexico Motorsports Report on Facebook and at nmmotorsportsreport.com. Now, back to the New Mexico Motorsports Report, presented by Yearwood Performance, Albuquerque Dragway, the Unser Racing Museum, and Swope Real Estate. Here is David. Welcome back to the New Mexico Motorsports Report. This is uh, David Swope uh, here at 101.7 The Team. And uh, I had a really neat opportunity to meet a, a gentleman the other day by the name of Mike Moser. Um, and he owns a fire engine. And I don't know if you've ever wanted to have a fire engine or you ever wanted to ride in a fire engine. But I've always been completely fascinated with them, starting with, you know, going to um, a parade and just seeing, you know, the fire engine and, you know, and Dalmatians and everybody dressed up in the pageantry. So I thought I'd have Mike join us this morning. So joining the show, uh, Mike Mosier, how you doing this morning, man? Good, good. Good morning. Yeah. So, so tell me, um, when we were talking the other day, um, you were showing, um, uh, one of your, uh, fire trucks. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Um, yeah, that one's a 1966, uh, Mac cab over, hook and ladder truck. And um, from my research so far, uh, I believe um, that body style and that cab um, section is about the only one of its kind left. Um, there's not a lot of uh, certain antique trucks of certain styles left anymore. What kind of blew my mind is you were telling me about how um, it's a gasoline um, it's a carbureted uh, engine, and you know a lot of fire trucks had actually been diesel. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> back in uh, between World War One and World War Two, um, diesel um, was really they they slowed the production down of uh, diesel fuel for civilian vehicles. And a lot of uh, manufacturers and warehouses were uh, turned to the war effort. So um, a lot of the uh, vehicle manufacturers uh, went to regular gas uh, engines on uh, some of them. Even though diesel uh, supplies more power and torque, um, it was mostly because of the war effort that they kind of cut back and went to gas engines. That's so fascinating. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, as we you know, or transitioning to, you know, more like, uh, uh, say, solar and battery power, I almost wonder at some point or, you know, how much of, you know, the current, the new fire trucks are going to incorporate um, some of that um, technology at that uh, as well. Um, you mentioned that you you have a, um, a couple of fire trucks. I, I got to ask you first, I mean, how did you kind of get into collecting fire trucks? <laughs> um, well, I'm the... Uh, fifth generation firefighter. There you uh, go. Goods. But um, <clears throat> my first truck I came across, um, I was taking a uh, fire science course in my career. 
and um, I had to do a public fire education uh, speech, and I chose to do one at an elementary school. I stumbled across an old antique truck that was abandoned and uh, pretty beat up, and I got a hold of it and purchased it kind of for a show-and-tell for the uh, the little public education courses I was doing. And then uh, ever since then, it kind of, every time I see an old uh, abandoned truck or one that nobody wants, uh, they're kind of like pound puppies. I end up mm-hmm. adopting them and fixing them up. But they're show and tell for the kids mostly. And I like to talk to uh, them and adults about the history of uh, fire apparatus as well. It, well, actually, if you, if you don't mind telling us a little bit of, uh, about that history um how I, I mean when when did actually automation come into firefighting I, I can only imagine that it you know it used to be you know horse and buggy uh, before they before they got into uh, um, into machines yeah back in the early 1800s um <clears throat> most of it was horse and buggy um and then uh some of the European um, manufacturers were getting into creating battery, uh um operated vehicles and the reason that the fire department got away from using horse-drawn carriages um was because um the upkeep for the uh wagons um was just getting terrible but the other problem was the horses yeah um they were losing horses left and right and it was actually becoming a sanitation issue oh my goodness Um, yeah, it's really, uh, nobody really thinks of it, but the horses, um, you know, as all animals do, would pass away. Mm-hmm. And so uh, auto manufacturers started creating uh, gas engines or battery-operated engines, and they would uh, make a engine piece and attach it to an old wagon. Um, so they replaced the horses completely with ga- uh, gas engines. That's fascinating. Uh, I mean, I, I I love history because it's always something you never know how you got from A to B. It always seems logical, but you're never quite sure. Um, but that's super fascinating. What what happens with with most when they decommission or retire most vehicles? I mean, do they uh, do they go to the scrapyard? Do they go home with the with the fire chief? I mean, what happens with that? Um, there's various things. Um, some very few departments will hold on to their old truck and just use it for parade uh, purposes. But most of the time they either get auctioned off um, and some of the smaller companies that don't have as good as funding as some of the bigger city departments will purchase a used vehicle. But unfortunately, about 80 to 90 percent of the time, they actually get sent away for scrap. Wow. What is the average life of a, a fire truck? Um, well, it's uh, very different. Um, back in the anywhere from 30s all the way up to 60s, some departments would use vehicles for 20 years plus. Mm. Um, but now because of the future um, and and funding, mass funding and stuff, um, the use of a truck uh, they get recycled or sent through the system a lot quicker. So most departments will probably have their trucks for about four to five years, and then they kind of trade up for the newer, better models. So interesting. Um, 
Now, during the period that you've you know been working with them, what are some of the maybe the biggest technological advances that you've seen on on the fire trucks? Um, the um, a lot of the operations of the vehicle of whatever that vehicle does, and a lot of the equipment uh, is a lot more um, user friendly, and a lot of the equipment has become more and more lighter to use and mm. um, operate with uh, back in the old days everything was hardcore break your knuckles uh it, everything weighed a ton yeah um, it, it was miserable basically to uh for firefighters to use any of their equipment um back in the day um, whereas now there's literally um push button everything's a push button and the truck does it for you wow that's 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 completely completely fascinating is there a a a national museum or local museums for um for firefighters for firefighting equipment or even a um a a history museum of firefighting anywhere there are a um a good handful of uh fire museums throughout the country uh in different states new mexico i don't believe has one yet um, but a lot of the bigger cities like um, the East Coast, New York, Boston, um, San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles, California, they all have um, major fire museums. Interesting. Um, I know we have a farm and ranch museum um, down south. As a matter of fact, a good friend of mine is the uh, um, one of the curators there. Um, and it's always fascinating um, to me. Um, and of course, you know, I mean, firefighting in every community um, a lot of it started. They they were volunteers. I mean, they had they had full time jobs. Um, what what kind of training would would you know say some of the more rural places um, have to go through versus you know say a, a major metropolitan? Um, rural areas um, usually start out with one or two people um, that do have a certified training of sort, or they they have somebody from the NFPA National Fire Protection Association that will come in and give a course um, to the volunteers so that they know the basics of what they have to do. And then there's, um, there's actually fire academies throughout the country. There's one even here in Socorro, New Mexico is a state fire academy. And um, most fire departments can even volunteer or rule. Um, they can send some of their, uh, firefighters down to that school and learn the same things, exact same things as city fire departments do. Wow. Hey, um, Mike, how would how would people get in touch with you if somebody was um, interested in in maybe having you come to one of their events or or learning more about um, about your passion? Um, just either through email or phone i'm kind of a lone wolf uh, <laughs> private collector so i'm not i'm not really big don't have a lot of uh i don't have a website or nothing like that so kind of word from out uh, word, word of mouth and uh phone number pretty much okay well um I, i'll just let everybody know hey if you'd like to get more information or get in touch with mike please uh feel free to reach out to me um you can email nmmotorsportsreport at gmail.com um and uh and we'll definitely uh definitely see if we can get mike in the new mexico motorsports report magazine coming up um and we got where we can share some pictures of some of these uh amazing vehicles hey mike thank you for coming on this morning thank you so much i appreciate you
Absolutely. All right, stay tuned. We've got a whole lot more coming up on the New Mexico Motorsports Report here on ESPN Radio, 101.7 The Team. Hey, race fans. This is NASCAR team owner, Coach Joe Gibbs. You're listening to David Slope on New Mexico Motorsports Report on ESPN Radio, 101.7 The Team. 